He was born Maruti Shivrampand Kambli in 1897 and died as Srinasargadatta Maharaj in 1981. He worked as a shopkeeper for much of his life in what used to be called Bombay, now Mumbai, selling children's clothes and beadies, those aromatic handmade cigarettes consisting of dry tobacco wrapped in a golden tamburni leaf and tied with a piece of string. He would also have people gather in his living room in the evenings after work and engage them in conversations that would have given Socrates a serious run for his money. For these were all caps, soul-searching conversations, serious, existential conversations, the kinds of conversations that lots of us desperately want or even need to have, I know I do, but very rarely are we given the opportunity to do so face-to-face with other human animals, especially in our adult years. Perhaps because our culture often tosses these conversations into the box designated for teenage angst rather than profound reflection, the latter being given over to matters scientific or therapeutic in our increasingly atomized and digitized times. The questions, however, don't go away. What is consciousness? Nobody can really give us a definitive answer to this one yet, though many suppositions abound. How does the mind work? Why do we suffer? How can we suffer less? What is the purpose of life in general? And maybe even more so, our lives, mine and yours, specifically. I guess you could call him a reluctant guru. He never benefited monetarily or sexually, as far as I know, from sharing his wisdom, something a lot of other male gurus, particularly in the 20th century, struggled to do. But even as a reluctant guru, at some point, he saw the need to change his name to the single moniker Nisargadatta. A bit like the unreluctant pop stars and influencers after him, Madonna, Prince, Lord, Bono, Gaga, no more a person but a brand or a signifier. Hopefully his wife was still allowed to call him Maruti, but when I address him in my head, I like to call him Nis. The reason I keep on returning to Nis's words, as I know many do, is in order to remind myself again and again of there being a world, a reality, outside the self-limited and self-limiting confines of our occasionally tyrannical minds. I don't know about your mind, but mine is often inflexible, overly attached to my own partisan and biased opinions, needlessly reactive and also just plain stupid or silly at times. Our minds are so full of stuff from the culture in which we swim, our past experiences, or whatever signal is just randomly firing in our neurons at any given time. Is it any surprise then that not all of this stuff is genuinely useful or life-affirming in any understandable way? Is it any surprise that most of us are not tortured at a psychological level occasionally, or at the very least, uncomfortably inconvenienced by other human creatures or by our own thoughts and emotions. There are many practices that offer to help us with this, especially meditation. But when we are suffering acutely, some of us human animals, I know I am one of these, might also require words of consolation delivered to us through the voice of another suffering creature, so that we might hear in these words the warmth, the vulnerability, the humanity of our crazy little species. 
This is also why I like to call him Nis, because Nis, like you, me, Bono, and Prince, was just a bloke. A human animal whose mind worked in a particular way, a deeply therapeutic way, I would say, even though the medicine is often quite strong and maybe not always delivered in the polite, touchy-feely language we are now used to, and perhaps even expect from therapists and self-help books. This morning, I wondered to myself what it might be like to record such a cherished book of wisdom in my own voice, mainly for myself to listen to when I need it, but thanks to the internet, also shareable and so available to you if you need or want it. So for the next 100 days, I'm going to read aloud for myself and for you the whole of Nazar Gadatta's classic text, I Am That, and see where that takes us. The text reads as a series of questions and answers, as this is how it emerged in the form of a conversation. His words and the questions directed at him from interested friends, fellow seekers, and all the other Bombay folk who participated in these weekly discussions were then transcribed and translated into English by one of his admirers, a Polish engineer and businessman called Maurice Friedman, who came to India in the late 1930s as a Jewish refugee from Warsaw and fell in love with Hindu non-dualistic philosophy, especially when expressed through the mouth and mind of his friend Nis. Friedman thus began to act as a kind of Plato to Nissus Socrates, a Boswell to his Johnson, a Holmes to his Sherlock. Because the text exists as a series of questions and answers, it can sometimes be confusing when read aloud through just one voice. For this reason, when a question is asked, I will use the phrase, you say, or you ask, sort of referring to you and me, because those are probably the, 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 the kind of questions we would um, put forward. And for Nissa's response, I will preface these utterances with words like life says or life answers, which is why I'm also calling this podcast Life Answers. I do this so as not to be continually referring to Nis himself or to get too bogged down in how the text came about. For what you're about to hear is something we might think of as timeless wisdom, and for that reason could have been spoken by any human animal in the last 150,000 years, possessing a symbolic language, you, me, Jesus, Freud, whoever. I also don't want to get caught in the trap of using that sometimes distancing, because culturally and temporally specific language, of obedience and power differentials, which are inherent in words like Maharaja and Guru, at least for our Western ears, I think. These words don't really have any meaningful place in my vocabulary or worldview. As far as I'm concerned, this was a bloke from Bombay who had some pretty cool things to say. Sounds like a limerick. Um, couched in the language of non-dualism, also known as Advaita Vedanta, if you want to Google that, which offers a kind of pathway to what is, as opposed to the mind's continual what could be, or even more frustratingly, what should be. And of course, our minds always know what should be, don't they? But it also feels as if approaching the reading in this manner is keeping with the spirit of the text itself. Nis counsels us again and again to not get too caught up with words and concepts, the packaging, if you like, in our pursuit of understanding what it means to be alive, to be fully conscious and to know that we are so. This is even more the case when it comes to the hard human part of what we might describe as being okay with the reality of our lives as we experience them, maybe even finding a way to 
fall in love a little bit with this human-animal consciousness, even if it often feels torn and tattered by thoughts and emotions. If you're a fan of Nissa's book and or enjoy these readings, please do get in touch. Um, my email is on the page linked to this episode. And tell me a little bit about your relationship um, to I Am That or to Nis. I know for a fact that all our current 21st century gurus, people like Sam Harris, I think particularly Sam Harris actually, um, Sam Harris is very much um, a non-dualist in that sense, Tolle, Helen Corson, Miracles, Shookman, Katie Byron and the like, you know, you know, the, the usual folk, um, anyone really who has an interest in spirituality and the psyche will often refer to this book in an interview as a sort of one-of-a-kind entity, a deeply precious and nurturing gateway to the lives we all want to lead. I myself, though, have yet to meet or talk to anyone who even knows about I Am That, so please do get in touch if it holds a special place on the shelf for you, and especially if you are reading or listening to it now for the first time. It would be fun to engage with someone else who is equally taken by Nissa's words. At the moment, it sort of feels like, um, I don't know, feels like I'm the only person in the world who has read this thing, whereas of course I know I'm not. I mean, it's, it's called a spiritual classic on the cover, um, and it certainly is. As you might gather, it's, it's more than just a book for me, perhaps better thought of as a kind of a thread or a path or a way. I recognize now that this path, this cure for the soul is also a kind of medicine, a, a very strong medicine for our crazy-making minds, but one that psychotherapy manuals, I've read many of these as a, as a psychotherapist, uh, hardly ever go near, perhaps because it is seen as being too strong for our somewhat fragile 21st century egos. I don't know. Freud discovered, if that's the right word, although it seems pretty obvious if you think about it now, that we all have a profound need to sit or lie down with another human animal in a non-judgmental way and talk about what most troubles us or shames us or perplexes us to share the struggle of being conscious in these bodies, these minds, this world as it is, rather than the mind or body or world we would like to have or feel we should have or be living up to or beyond. And in this way, Sigmund declared that our neurotic suffering and misery, the relentless form of it that seizes our minds like bear traps at times, might be transformed into, quote, ordinary human unhappiness. At which point, you're cooked as far as the psychoanalysts are concerned. You got your ordinary human happiness, job done, get on with it. Nisargadatta's therapy, if you want to call it that, starts from this place of ordinary human unhappiness, digging away at the roots of consciousness itself, the source of everything we perceive and experience, rather than working, as most psychotherapists do, including me, on the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and other people, our situation, the events happening around us. Freud, deep reader and cogitator as he was, who treated his patients as texts to be read and theorized about, led us to believe that this is the only way to address human suffering. Just get interested in the stories and ordinary human unhappiness will soon be well within your grasp. And he was right. But maybe psychology and psychotherapy as we know them in their current guise can only take us so far. By digging at the roots of consciousness itself, Nis challenges this preconception.
I have said his words are strong medicine, the strongest I know of. I also get the sense that he wasn't always the easiest person to hang out with. He is often, as you will see, blunt and somewhat obstreperous, even though it doesn't seem to be coming from a place of ego. But perhaps this is a projection on my part. In fact, I'm, I'm sure it is. Me projecting a kind of authoritarian patriarch onto the shoulders of this Bombay shopkeeper. So perhaps it is wise if we consume his medicine with as much kindness and compassion, that is certainly the tonal frame for my reading of the work, and let this medicine just sort of wash over us to some extent, rather than approaching it like a puzzle to be solved. I think if we do so, we might discover here something that our psychotherapeutic culture has forgotten or wasn't really that interested in in the first place, focused as it often is on a bit to fix and improve our flaws and foibles, to make our stories better or bigger or more successful, rather than to make us more sophisticated or maybe just less neurotic participants in the flow of life as it occurs around and through us. I would like to think that these two modes that I have described, life as a story and life as an experience, might coexist and that also one needs the other as a counterbalance. Bloody hell. <laughs> Where did that come from? What? <laughs> oh, another one. Um, I should just say that I'm, I'm recording this using a some settings from something else I recorded and I must have left in there um, these chords <laughs> from uh, from this podcast I did previously is there another one coming are we done where was I <laughs> I think I was talking about how uh these two modes, life as a story and life as an experience, might coexist and that also one needs the other as a counterbalance. That, uh, I, I mean, that that's how I, I guess that's how I, uh, that's how I do therapy. Anyway, um, maybe those um, resounding uh, chimes, I think they're, uh, um, they're, they're actually the, you may recognize them, they're the, the last clanging chords at the end of um, the Beatles' A Day in a Life. Fitting, perhaps. Um, but anyway, m maybe they were there. <laughs> maybe they broke into this script uh, to tell me that I am, I am talking too much, uh, saying more than is required. Uh, so I'm going to shut up now and um, let you taste the medicine which... Once tasted, I believe, uh, can never be forgotten. To my palate, Nissa's remedies are truly delicious. They really are, as well as comforting, you know, platitude-free, full of crunchy thoughts and ideas that if you let them work on you may quite literally blow your mind. As in, demolish the whole higgledy-piggledy Tower of Babel structure like a crane or a stick of dynamite, or maybe those, those clanging chords bomb <laughs> uh, you know just taking down the whole conceptual edifice that can't in its current guise really hold the joy the peace the inner freedom and diminish suffering that we all seek applying his words therapeutically i think they suggest that we might need to construct i don't know how one does that but 
you know, maybe I suppose therapy's one way, uh, construct in our minds different conceptual structures and ways of being present with our experience, ones that are more able to contain these sought-after states. So anyway, let's see, shall we, if spending some time in the company of Nis and his interlocutors significantly adds value to your existence, maybe even completely reshaping the way you and I currently experience ourselves and our minds, which is also to say our lives, as these are often a direct extension of what is going on in that space of thoughts and feelings and moods and all the rest of it. If you're up for having that experience, this is how it begins.